hatred and pride. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's time. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be wider, much wider than so? Power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. everyone with us this evening uh, we got an announcement to make this month is pastor appreciation month so next Sunday for dad we'll be having cake and ice cream for a, appreciation for after second service for next Sunday so just remember that cake and ice cream will be served for a pastor appreciation next Sunday uh, sister Anna Canard give me one that says my sister Barbara Jones asked for prayer for her nephew Brett Jones he needs a kidney so remember the young fellow there that needs a kidney <clears throat> let's see brother Rhino give me one that says please pray for Gabby and Eula they're both not feeling well so remember those two also so remember those changes of the weather and everybody getting sick so just remember all the people as we pray I know we all have unspoken requests let's go to the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for letting us come out this evening, Lord. Lord, be with the ones that are maybe traveling today, wherever they may be. Come down and bless them. Be with our services here today. Remember Brother Bob there, Lord, bless him and bless us with the right attitude to listen to what's being said. Lord, we have mentioned some people that are sick. Lord, come down and bless them. You know, whatever the needs are in the situations, Lord, you come down and be with them and guide them. Many, many unspoken requests, Lord. We all have needs that we need, people that are sick, Lord, and people that need a touch from you. Forgive us for all of our sins, and we love you for your many blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You be saved. The mighty God is Jesus. 
the Prince of Peace is He, the Everlasting Father, the King eternally, wonderful in wisdom, by whom all things were made, fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed, it's all in Him, it's all in Him, the fullness of the Godhead is all in Him, it's all in Him, it's all in Him, the mighty God is Jesus and it's all in Him, Emmanuel God with us, Jehovah Lord of hosts, the omnipresent Spirit who fills the universe, who purificate the high priest. The Lamb for sinners slain, the author of redemption, oh glory to His name. It's all in Him, it's all in Him, the fullness of the Godhead. It's all in Him, it's all in Him, it's all in Him, the mighty God is Jesus and it's all in Him, our help and Omega, beginning in the end, living Word incarnate, the helpless sinner's friend, wisdom and perfection, our righteousness and power, yea, all we need in Jesus, we'll find this very hour, it's all in Him. It's all in Him, fullness of the Godhead. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. Mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. Our God from whom we waited will be a glad refrain of Israel recreated when Jesus comes again. Though He will come and save us, fresh and priest to be, for in Him dwells all fullness, and Lord of all is He. Let's all stand. All in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead. It's all in Him. It's all It's all in Him. Mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. Amen. How about having a little talk with Jesus before we take up the offering this evening? Amen. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a lot of heaven filled my soul. He paid my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. And he'll answer by and by and when Jesus makes it right. 
time my path seems drear without a ray of cheer. And then a cloud of doubt may hide the light of day. Lift your eyes and hide the stormy skies. But just a little talk with Jesus clears away. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. Answer by and by. And when you feel a little prayer will turn in, know a little fire is burning. A little talk with Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and fears. Your eyes be filled with tears. But Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. Go to him in prayer. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry. And he'll answer by and by and when feel a little prayer will turn in, know a little fire is burning, have a little talk with Jesus, makes it right. Brother Jonas, if you come, and Brother Ryan, as you'll get ready for your special after the offering. He may be seated as Brother Ryan comes. God bless y'all. Um, back in 2002, uh, in this time of year, it's been 20 years ago now, Sister Gwen Silas first told me about the message, changed the course of my life. And I wanted to say, if she's watching tonight, I, I so appreciate that. Yeah. That's the best thing that's happened to me yeah. besides salvation. And there are six of us here, Sister Gwen, that would not be here if it weren't for you. And uh, during that time, I was 17 in the Baptist church, and I wanted the Lord just to show me where to, where to stay because I was in the Baptist church still on Sundays and here on Wednesday nights. And I couldn't keep going back and forth. And I said, Lord, I, I see a little bit about this thing called the message. I don't fully understand it, but you show me where you want me. And I came in here one Wednesday night, looked up, and somebody put over the pulpit, be still and know that I'm God. Amen. Psalm 4610, and I knew from then where the Lord wanted me. So this song is about be still and know that I'm God.
stand this evening, amen? All I can tell you is that that what's above and written there's caused a lot of things to happen. Believe me. I missed it when it was an upper one day. Called it out, but I'm telling you, the things that we hear, nothing but the truth, I'm telling you. And I'm going to have to stand for that in a family matter, but I believe it to be the truth. Amen. Let's change over the service. Amen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the Sing it to her. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy. 
that's your desire tonight. How many love the Lord this afternoon? It's good to be in the house of the Lord, and you're happy to be here. Come expecting. Let's just go right into the Word. We're going to read um, from the Book of Ruth, chapter two, and just take a take a topic here: the the Book of Love, because I believe that's what this book is. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful to your, for your grace and for your mercy to us tonight. And so grateful to, for all of the many things that you've done for us, Lord Jesus. And th- grateful tonight for your love that you've given unto us, Lord Jesus, and demonstrated to us and manifested to us and made plain to us. Tonight, Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you'll not let this just be like any service, Lord, but you'll let it be something special to us, Lord. That, Lord, those that are become needy, Lord, needing something from you tonight, that they'll receive whatever they have need of, Lord. And, Lord, that you'll, Lord, feel at liberty to move among us, Lord Jesus. That you'll, Lord, come come into this house, Lord, and see doors wide open, ready to be filled by you, Lord Jesus. See cups laid out before you, ready to be filled, Lord. And we just ask, Lord, that you'll bless the reading of this word, Lord. And Lord, take it from something that might be in my mind, Lord, into a living reality, Lord, into something that's in our hearts, Lord Jesus. And we just ask, Lord, that your spirit will come and quicken these things that are said tonight for us, Lord, we ask in your name. Amen. So Ruth chapter two, verse one to nine says, if, if you've got your Bible, or if you can read on the screen, it says, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hat was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. <coughs> then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to clean in another field. Glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. You may be seated. The Lord has a blessing to the reading of the word. I think I think this is a uh, this is a, an example of one of the greatest love scenes, the greatest love stories that's ever been told. And uh, you know, you look into the Bible and you 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 see the whole Bible that speaks of, of a love story between between Christ and His bride, and it's echoed all throughout the Scriptures with stories like this one. And Brother Bram said, "And why a little Bethlehem?" And he said, "When Ruth and Boaz was married, one of the greatest love scenes of all ages." When Ruth and Boaz were married, and you think about that scene unfolding when when Ruth when when Ruth was out there gleaning in the harvest, and she was out there with a purpose. She wasn't just some 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 floozy, some some Jezebel looking woman, but she was out there. She was wanting the things of God. She was wanting. She was fulfilling the plan of God in her life. And she Boaz looked out looked out over the field, and 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 something began to stir with it within him. He wanted to know who that was. Who, who is this? Is out here in the field gleaning? And, and, and going through all this, 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 this act of the love story. 
Uh, you know, humanity, I, I think humanity loves a great love story. You know, you, I've, I've got a lot of daughters, and they they love all these Cinderella's and Snow White's and all that kind of stuff. And it, anybody, you know, uh, people love people love love stories. You know, you you, you read the stories of Pride and Prejudice and all that stuff, you know, the, uh, all those things. But here's, the, here's really the greatest love story that's ever been told laid out before you. You think about what love is. Love, real, I'm talking about real agape love. Agape yeah, love right. is when... Somebody like Boaz could come along and look out in the field and see uh, somebody that ain't got no claim to nothing, uh, a Moabitess that don't came from nothing and doesn't have nothing to her name and and can love somebody like that. And that's the kind of love that was expressed by God to us is when God looked down at your life and maybe you were in the mire of sin and the muck on the side of the road and God pulled you out and said, I love you. And God did something and began to work something in your life. And you see what real agape love is, is when, when you look at something, look at, Look at something that doesn't have any consequence, and yet you can love it. That's how much God loved the world that he come and died for, that whosoever would believe on him would be saved. Despite all the troubles, despite all the heartache, despite all the sin and the mess that humanity got themselves into, but yet God looked at us and said, I love them, and he came down and died for us. Oh, you think about all the stories that Brother Bram told about how that God so loved that he cared about a little opossum. And if you've ever seen an opossum, we've, we've got them come up in the driveway before and come in the backyard and they're all covered in ticks and looking off. They say possums are clean, but every possum I've seen smells terrible. Smells like a homeless person from Atlanta. They say it smells horrible. And, 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 and you, you get, you, you think about that God loves so much that that possum come up that even Brother Bram didn't think nothing about but God turned his attention to that possum and said go and pray for that little stinking opossum why because I love it. you think about Jesus it would tell a story about a lily if God can clothe a lily that's out there in the field that nobody even knows is growing out there and can take care of that lily or take care of that sparrow how much more is God going to take care of you because God loves the unlovable he loves those that are wayward he loves those that have gone astray because that's what a God is love is. God loves those that nobody else cares about. Oh, you think that God would love you enough to die for you. And that's why we love him back because he loved us so much. He loved us when we were unlovable and now we love him back. We love a God that can come down and die for us. You love him tonight. You love him because you love him enough to die to yourself for him. He loved you enough to die for you and you love you love him enough to die to yourself. You see what that's what the gospel is. The gospel is not the gospel was never intended to just be a head knowledge kind of thing where you just know a lot of information but the gospel is to bring you into a personal relationship with God because you love God you love the one that loved you I want to ask you tonight what did you come here tonight to see did you come here tonight to see the preacher to come here tonight to see one another did you come here expecting to fill your place in the pew or or to do to fulfill an act like Paul called a dead work or did you come because you have a personal relationship with the God that saved you and you love him and you come you come expecting to receive something from that God that loves you you expect to receive some strength tonight something from the God that come down and sent a message from glory down to help you tonight 
What do you love about church? Are you in love with the ministry? Are you in love with fellowship? Are you in love with study with a lot of information so you can tell everybody how much you know? Are you in love with a good feeling or with the anointing? Or do you love the person of Jesus Christ? That's what I'm talking about tonight. Christ is the main thing. Christ is the one that you're, you're to have a relationship with. Or you think about so many times people want to have a relate. They want to get a good remark from the minister. They want to get a good remark from their fellow. But Christ is the one that I want to please. I want to pre- please God. You know, if God is pleased with our service, with our worship tonight, he'll come in and abide with us. He'll come in and make his presence known. If we'll make him happy tonight, God's the one I want to make happy. God's the one I want to please. Now you think about that story that Brother Ram told of the, the armor, the son of the armor meat packing company, how he come and he went down to the, to the, to the little ranch there and he looked out and he saw a girl that nobody else paid any mind to. She, she had, uh, you know, she's working there in the kitchen, washing dishes or whatever. And, 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 and he, that, that was the one that he began to fall in love with. Why did he fall in love with her? Cause he's, he was looking at God. See, God don't look at the outside. God don't look at the outside, but this man began to look on the inside. What's on the inside? Your character. He began to look down on the inside of what kind of a character that little girl had. And he said, this, this girl has got some virtue. This girl is a virtuous little woman. And he began to talk to her and began to recognize this. This is the one that I want to marry. Y'all, you think, you think young people tonight, when you look at, when you're going to search for a mate, you, but the outside might look all kinds of pretty and nice and handsome and different kind of things. Their feet might smell good and their hair might be cut right but look down on the inside what do they love do they love god do they are they capable of love do they love love is the thing look down on the inside like god god said about david he said he's a man after my own heart my the heart the heart is what god is after and that story that that little armor meat packing company that, that little that son of the armor armor meat packing uh owner he was interested in that girl because of her of her character and he he said i'm coming after you and when he came back a year later she was there waiting on him and she wasn't she wasn't just waiting she was she was waiting prepared she was she had got herself ready she had got herself clothes and she was ready for him to come riding around and she said i i, I had co-, she knew she had confidence in him because she loved him she knew that he loved her and she she loved him because of it philippians 1 says And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Because love, love is the thing that conquers everything. I'm talking about the love, I'm talking about the kind of love tonight that would make Adam want to go out in the garden with Eve. I'm talking about a love where he could see that Eve had done wrong, but he had something, I, I got to go out, I, I, I want to, I, I got to save her. Now God could have struck her down and killed her and started everything over again, but he, I, I believe that Adam was like, I want that one. That's the one that come out of my side. That's the one that's part of me. That's the one that's bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. I don't want to start the thing over again. That's the one I want because the love of God was in him. Now we know the attribute of God wasn't in him to, to the, the attribute couldn't be manifest in Adam to actually do the, the saving like it could be in Jesus Christ. But yet he tried. He tried. 
I wonder tonight, could we say that we love like that? When, you're, when your spouse does something wrong, real love is when you, when you get in an argument with your spouse and you get upset with them, but yet you love them. You love the thing that cannot be, you, you love, it doesn't matter what somebody does to you. It doesn't matter how they, how they reproach you or what they say to you, but you love them anyway. You love your spouse because they're part of you. You love one another. You know, you love the, you love the church because you're part of the same body. You love your fellow believers because we're part of that same mysterious mystical body you love one another because you love God let your love more abound yet more and more Paul says see God don't want your head this is not an extra intellectual gospel where we come to church knowing all kinds of knowing how we should behave knowing what we're supposed to do but God wants your heart let me ask you this question tonight are you willing to give it are you willing to open up every door of your heart are you willing to open up completely that he can have preeminence because he wants to be your Lord he wants to be your savior he wants to be everything brother Adam said God don't care how much education you got he wants your heart he don't care how much you know he wants your heart he don't care what's up in here he wants your heart the only thing that Christ will be wrapped in, and that's your heart, not your creed. He wants your heart. He's not going to be wrapped up in your creed, but he's going to be wrapped up in the manger of your heart. If your whole heart is in love with him, Brother Brown said, and you love him and are gentle and live with him daily, you know you've passed from death unto life. If it isn't and you're otherwise, you're just impersonating a Christian. Oh, you see, unless God has your heart, if God doesn't have your heart, you'll never be able to understand this book because God requires your heart to be able to look into this book of love. It's a book of love and you got to have God. You got to love God to be able to understand it. Brother Adam said the Bible is a supernatural book. It's written so that it's hid from the schools. Theologian, it's a book of love. When the, when the love of God comes into the heart, then you fall in love with God. Then he reveals himself. The Bible meaning, the interpretation of the Bible is God himself interpreting his promises. But the Bible is written between the line. Oh, come on now. How many of you have received an email from your spouse, from your wife, or received a little letter? We don't, we don't write letters by hand anymore, do we? It's all, it's all text or whatever, but you can still read between the line. <clears throat> you can still read those, read, read the things that are written there on the page and say, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing something beyond what's there in black and white. I'm seeing something beyond it. You, you know, the, the, the word of God is just like that. You, you open up the pages of the Bible and it begins to come to life. It, 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 you, when you read the book of Ruth and, and you see the love story unfolding, you read the book of the Song of Solomon, you see the story of God expressing his love to that Shulamite woman. You see the story of God expressing his love. And it's, you begin to read, the, read between the lines because God is God revealing himself to you. <sighs> It's the word of God. The word of God is what moves a believer. Oh, you think about Elijah when he was back in that cave and he heard the, he heard the wind moving outside and he heard the, the earthquake moving and he, then he heard, the, saw, heard that fire rolling by. But then he heard the still small voice, God's voice drawing. That's what moves a believer. When God can see God, when a believer can see God, the love of God expressed, that's what, that's what caused Elijah to come forth out of that cave when he heard. That's what caused a, a, a sinner to come forth, to come forth and be drawn to God is when they see the love of God expressed. When they see something begin to move and they see something genuine and real be expressed. We've all heard the story of the chicken in the barnyard, but y'all remember the story of the duck in the barnyard? 
the duck down with the chickens. Well, I know we heard the story of the, the, uh, the eagle in the barnyard. I mean, the eagle, the eagle in the barnyard with all the chickens. But what about the duck in the barnyard with all the chickens? Now, Brother Ram said that duck, that duck, it was a duck that was born in the barnyard. And he didn't know that he was a duck. He thought he was a, a chicken because he was surrounded by all the chickens. And, and, and all the roosters and everything would be, you know, leading him over there to peck on the ground. And he thought he was just a chicken. But one day, one day that duck got a smell of water. And he began to realize that he needed to, he wanted to go toward that water. If you've ever seen a duck, ducks are so messy, aren't they? Because they love water. You give them a little spot in the backyard, and I go thrashing around and turn your whole backyard into a mud pit. But that's because ducks love water. And why, why do they love water? Because it's being built within them. They've got to go to that water. And you see, you, you, you let a, you let somebody hear the gospel, and they'll, something will begin to quicken within them, and they'll begin to realize that's the thing that I wanted all my life. What is it? What is it? Something, love. Love begins to spring up that if God can love you so much, the unlovable and God can die for you and pay the price for you and be willing to change your heart and change your life and change your makeup and change your life trajectory. It'll, it'll change you. Brother Ram said, you see, you put Christ, the word in front of a real believer and they'll make a beeline for it. Just like that duck went straight to the water. You put Christ, the word in front of a real believer and they're not, they're not going to let nothing stand between them and that water, the water of the word. They won't let nothing, nothing somebody can say, nothing, nobody's hypocritical life, no harsh words. You're not going to be able to keep nothing. You'll never be able to keep, keep a real true believer away from the word of God, from the promises of God. Because you love God. Oh, you see what love will do? Love will make you persevere. Love will make you stand true. Love will make you go to the end. Love will make you run this race with, with the goal in sight because you love God. If you love God the way that the Bible's talking about, nothing is going to keep you from that goal. Nothing is going to keep you from that finish line. You put, the, you put Christ, a genuine, a genuine message of Christ out there. It's going to call and it's going to draw. Oh, you think about what Ruth was doing here. Ruth wasn't forced. She wasn't forced to lay at Boaz's feet in the threshing floor. But she did it because she loved him. She wasn't forced to do it. Boaz wasn't made to stand in the gate and remove his shoe. He didn't have somebody tell you better do this. You got to do it. But he did it because it was love. He loved Ruth. He loved and it was love that was moving on the scene. Love was in action. Boaz, Boaz wasn't forced to marry a Moabitess, but he loved her. He did it because he loved her. He loved her. Let's see, you see, revelation is not something in your head. Revelation this afternoon is not education. Revelation is not just something intellectual. Revelation is, is, reading the Bible is not like taking a pill and popping a pill. But revelation is not coming under the wheel and opinion of another. Someone explaining to me until I cannot refute what they were saying. Someone beat me down, but you're in love with Christ. And love is what fuels the church. Love is what drives it. Love is what draws the sinner to repentance. Love is what calls the believer is because you're in love with Christ. Rebecca wasn't made to go out with Eliezer. It was her decision. There in Genesis when it said, and they said, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, wilt that go with this man? And she said, I will go. We were down there at that wedding of my niece recently. And Brother Matthew was reading the scripture during the wedding. 
wilt thou go with this man? He actually, he actually read that as, as the bride was coming up. Are you going to go? Because it's got to be the bride's decision, not based on being forced, not by being cajoled into it, but because you love. You see what the preaching of the gospel is doing? The preaching of the gospel is to draw you to Christ by love, to, to drop from that head drown, down into your heart where you begin to, something begins to stir within, like Brother Ram called it, the pulsating down within your soul that you feel God, God begin to move. It's not the preacher speaking to you anymore, but it's God speaking to you. It's not the preacher's voice anymore, but it's God's voice speaking to you. No man can come unto me except the Father draw him. And no man can come except the Father. Is the, the Father is the one that's doing the pulling at your heart. The Father is the one that's doing the speaking at your heart. It's, it's, you see, education is somebody, education is somebody telling you their story. You read the book of Ruth and you, you read that, you read that story and you, you, you can understand it with an intellectual understanding, but revelation is something more than that. Revelation is something you live through. Revelation is something that you have experienced yourself. Revelation is something that you know why. You, you, you go to a wedding and you see the, the bride and the groom standing up there at the platform and nobody else really understands their story except for that couple up there. Why? Because they've lived it. When that man is up there and he watches his bride come down the aisle and he, he, he sees his, that, that girl that he's known for all these, all these months or however long come walking toward him. He's got all these stories accumulated back behind him and he's looking at her with an understanding that goes past some kind of an intellectual education understanding. Something that just somebody told him about how he was supposed to act. But he's looking at her with eyes of love. Love is what we're talking about this afternoon. And Brother Brown said the darkest hour then Jesus comes along in that message in 1955 he said he has hid it from the eyes of the wise and prudent and will reveal it to babes such as will learn is that right he will reveal it to babes you don't have to be smart to understand the bible what do you have to have you have to have a humble heart it don't take a lot of head learning I, I, that's one thing i i i really want to impress this afternoon you you begin to you, as you begin to study the seals and study these great deep mysteries and it looks like something that's past your educational ability your intellectual ability and you study and study and press your way through it and then finally god begins to drop down and reveal to you the simplicity of what it is and it's the simplicity of it the simplicity of it it goes past the eyes of the wise and the prudent past their minds past all the minds of the denominations past their minds because god reveals himself in simplicity you all you have to have is a humble heart the bible is god's love story to his church that's hid from all the scholarships in the world it's only known by one scholarship and that's through neology if you ever had any of it, you know what I mean. Down on your knees. You have to read between the lines to make it right. <coughs> he said in Jehovah Jireh, he said, now reading the Bible, it's a love story that God wrote to his church. It's God. God is love. Do you believe that? And the Bible is written so that the educated and smart can never understand it. You have to be in love with God to understand it. You have to have God in you. He interprets himself to you. Now, it's just like I got a wife. Oh, how I love her. I love her with all my heart. And I'll be overseas somewhere. And she'll, after she gets the kitties to sleep, she'll write me a letter and say, Dear Billy, I'm sitting here tonight. I'm thinking of you. I'm writing. See, I know what she's writing on the paper. But I know her and love her so much till I just know her nature. I know what she means so I can read between the lines. How, when you know somebody, when you the know, know the nature of God, when you know what he's about and what he wants done with the word, then you can read the Bible in the way that it's supposed to be read. 
And God wants his church to read between the lines, not read anything out of it. Now you have to read between the lines to see what it's meaning. When you read the th- between the lines, the story of Ruth deciding and Ruth gleaning and Ruth rested takes on something different because it, it, because now you you have experienced it. It's something that you've lived and you've gone through it. When you look at David's life, it's something that you've gone through. Laying there in your bed, tossing around, crying at night, asking God to come on the scene for you that you need some help. You've lived through that. You've lived through those nights when you didn't know how to pray and what to say. You've lived through it. You've lived through Abraham on his journey. You've lived through that, and it's something beyond just head knowledge, something beyond just knowing about something. I'm talking to you tonight about a love between you and God, a love where whether it's a shallow sermon or a deep sermon or deep teaching or a little lightweight message, you love it because you love God. You're in love with God, and you want Him. You read the Bible, and you begin to understand what those three stages of your experience are because you can see it unfold. You can see it unfold in the seals. You can see it unfold in the sixfold purpose of Daniel's 70 weeks. You can see it unfold in every line, every precept of the Bible because it's not something that you understand with your head anymore. But it's love, a relationship with you and God where you have become to enter into communion with Him. You've come from faith to communion, faith to enter into the Holy of Holies and well with him the word is in layers it's in layers that you go from this to this to this so you got to read it like a love letter the whole bible is a book of love all these love stories in the bible of how adam loved eve so much that he'd go out with her how isaac loved rebecca and rebecca loved isaac even though she had never seen him before she all she had to go on was that eliezer was telling about as she rode on those camels back but she when she got off that camel she knew him when she saw him because she loved him she had fallen in love by what she had heard about what she had read about in the bible jacob and rachel that loved one another and boaz and ruth and esther and the king the king that loved Esther so much that he lowered his scepter and said whatever you will not give it to you even to the half of the kingdom and Solomon and the Shunammite that loved that woman that loved her so much and Christ and his bride you know many times we're, t- we're scared to talk about love we're, we're scared we think love is a scary thing we, we don't want to really, really want to talk about love too much we think well love is for sissies the world thinks real men love cars and guns and country music and loose living and we think that's what love is so we don't want to we think we got to be tough and, and walk with our palms back and hateful around we think we got to be throw our shoulders back and be all hateful and stuff you got to be crusty but love brother Brown said that love is the greatest weapon Love is the greatest weapon that God ever put in the hands of man. Love is such a strong weapon that you can bring it into a home and it'll bring peace there. Love is such a powerful weapon that it'll cast the devil out. Love is the kind of a weapon that'll clean up a life. Love is the kind, oh, you think about something so strong that you can cast a devil out with it. That's the kind of of a weapon that God has given to the church with love. If you love love somebody that's yelling at you and screaming at you and pointing their finger at you you show them a little love and it'll change the situation it'll change everything i'm not talking about some little lightweight thing tonight some kind of sissified thing that's what the world has made it but i'm talking about something that god has given into our hands but the said love is the greatest most powerful weapon that this world has ever seen or known of love is the greatest force that we have the most powerful force love will just do things 
that nothing else will do. Nothing else, when nothing else will work, love will work. When nothing else will do the trick, love will do it. When nothing else will call that wayward loved one back, love will do it. You show somebody a little love and it'll change everything. It was love that made a man spread his arms on the cross. That love is still able to take a cold, stony heart and soften it up. Love is what draws us to Christ. Love is how a Christian lives. Jesus said in John, John chapter 12, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. And what is it doing the drawing? It's his love for you tonight. That's what I'm here to declare to you tonight, that God loves you. No matter where you are, no matter what your condition is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to draw you unto him. He's drawing tonight. He's pulling. Oh, listen. Tonight, I'm not looking at faces. I'm looking past it. I'm looking down to your heart. God is drawing. It don't matter what the outside looks at. God is drawing. He's still able to draw and pull by his love. It don't matter how little you love him or how little you care for him. God cares for you. He cares about you tonight. The Bible says in James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. If you'll come to God, he'll come to you. And Jeremiah 31 said, I love thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And Psalm 65, it says, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. How does he cause you to approach to God? By his love that's drawing you, pulling you to recognize what God has done. Listen tonight, love has drawing power. Love has got the kind of power that can draw a sinner to him and change their heart and change their life. It's the kind of power that can make Ruth make a decision. It's the kind of power that can make you make a decision tonight. It's the kind of power that can make you arise from your slumber and realize what God has done for you. And verse 16, when Ruth said, entreat me not to leave these, talking to Naomi. Why would she make a statement like that? Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Ruth made up her mind. What will she do? Ruth is a type. Ruth is a type of us. Looking back at these Old Testament scriptures that the Jews had written down. Looking back at that. And, oh, you think about, you think about Paul who had been raised up under under Gamaliel. And he knew all about those Old Testament teachings. But then he began to understand the love of God. You think about it when we, when we read the story of Leviticus and read these stories that are written in the Old Testament that the Jews gave to us, it begins to change our mind and change. What does it do? It causes us to realize how much God loves us. When you realize how much God loves you, it'll, it'll cause you to make up your mind. To make up your mind. In Ruth chapter 1 verse 16, and Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. She made up her mind. She was standing firm on what she believed to be true. Why? Because what made her do that? It was her love. Her love 
for Naomi, her love for the what? The God of Israel. She was looking at what Naomi believed, and she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after that. I made up my mind that I'm not going back to this Moabitish way to live, but I'm turning, my, I'm turning the corner. I'm going that way. I'm standing, I'm standing on what you believe. And you know, the Bible says everything you've got to do, you start your journey in faith. You start your journey making up your mind, not just on some whim, but on what you know to be true. And Ruth, Ruth in her, she started her journey in faith. And that's how James says, ask in faith, ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Everything you do in life is because you made up your mind to believe God. Mark chapter 11, 23 says, have faith in God for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Why? Because it started out with you making up your mind. I'm believing in God. I'm believing that this mountain needs to be moved out of its place. I'm believing and I'm speaking because of, of my love for God. I know that he loves me. I know that I believe his word. <coughs> you, what could we do tonight, church, if our minds were made up? That our minds were made up that we weren't going to dilly-dally with this gospel anymore. That our minds were made up that we were going to get our lives straightened up. That our minds were made up that we were going give, to give our whole, our whole body, soul, and spirit to God. Her mind was made up because she was convinced of the God of Israel. Every believer's journey begins with faith in God. <coughs> what was she doing? <coughs> she was deciding. She made a decision that I want his banner over me. Who the God of Israel. I want the God of Israel's banner over me. I want to be under his protection. I want to be in fellowship with him. He's the one that I want. If you want me, if you make up your mind tonight that I'm going to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost because there's a promise laying in here that I can read in Exodus and in Ezekiel 36 and at Jeremiah. I can read all these things in those Old Testament scriptures that Naomi's speaking of. I can read those things. I believe that God laid that promise out for me. If you could become convinced that it's there waiting for you. She was deciding. That I'll never have rest until I have him. Who the God of Israel? She wanted she wanted the God of Israel. That's why she made up her mind that she was going after God. Are you convinced? Are you convinced this afternoon that Christ loves you? Are you convinced that God is calling you? He's still making the wedding call. You know, he sent, he sent those men, the story that Jesus told about how he sent them out into the hedges and the byways and the, uh, going out to, to make that wedding call that the come, all things are ready. And I will declare you tonight that there's still room at the wedding feast. God is still drawing the sinner's heart. There's still some seats available. There's still room at the wedding supper. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Revelation 19, it says, blessed are they which are called under the marriage supper of the Lamb. A wedding, a marriage is based on love. And you can't go to this wedding without love. When Brother Bram went across the curtain of time, they said, you can't come here without perfect love. You got to have love to go there. You got to have agape love. 
The kind of love that can love the unlovable. The kind of love that can love somebody that looks like the whole church is abandoned. It looks like the whole religious realm has given up on. You got to have that kind of a love. You got to have a love that when your spouse yells at you and screams at you, you love them back. You got to have love that when people in church say things that you don't, you don't think need to be said, you still love them because there's agape love and we're all part of one body and you love. Love is what I'm talking about. And gleaning is what gleaning to Ruth became a labor of love and Ruth chapter 2 and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech and his name was Boaz and Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace and she said unto her go my daughter and she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers and her hat was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz who was of the kindred of Elimelech and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And we know the rest of the story. He told, he told her, you, don't, you stay put. You just keep reaping in this field. Don't go anywhere else. You ain't got to go to no denomination to find out what the true message of the hour is. You don't need to go to any other uh, oddball message churches that are that are teaching that you got to follow a man or, or all these different kind of things. Follow their 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 uh, all. You just stay right here in this field. Stay put in this field, and that became a labor of. Lo- Ruth was happy to labor. She didn't mind. She didn't mind to be seen in Boaz's field. She didn't mind for somebody to see the way that she dressed and the way that she acted and the church that she went to. She didn't mind because it was love. She was doing it because of love. She was steadfast. She had a goal in mind. She was there with a purpose. Oh, once you get, once you get started on your journey, it's time to get to climbing, time to get to gleaning, time to get to working. You don't mind working in the field. You don't mind gleaning a little bit. You don't mind it coming piece by piece here, a little there, a little. You don't mind going home and, and crying like I know some of y'all have done when Daniel seventy weeks is preached and hard hard messages are preached because you don't understand it. It comes a little bit over here and a little bit over there and piece by piece. You don't mind because it's a labor love you won't just throw in the towel and quit and go somewhere else because you don't understand it all at once but it's a labor of love brother Brown said in the message job he said boaz was a representative of christ for he was the lord of the harvest he was over all the harvest and notice as soon as he looked out in the field and saw that gentile girl he fell in love with her why she was gleaning behind the reapers that's what the church has to do. Pick up a little bit here and a little bit there. That's what, that'll make Christ fall in love with you too. When he sees you, oh God, I need, I want to understand this. That'll make God realize there's something special about you. Reading over there and seeing what Job had done and what the rest of them done and how the way of redemption was laid. Picking up these little gleanings behind the Jewish church. See what I mean? That grain that they were reaping represented life. Immortal life, eternal life to us out of the word. The word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Oh, you realize what that means is that if you don't mind gleaning, you don't, you don't mind, you don't mind maybe sometimes a little starchy service. You don't mind some heavy teaching because you love God. You're there to get something. You're there to get something from God and you love the word. You love it as much as Ruth did when she was out there laboring in that field all hunched over. Maybe her back was hurting, hunched over in that field working because she, every little bit of handful that she could grab meant something to her. This is something that's going to help. 
help me. This is something that's going to feed me. This means something to me. Oh, does it mean something to you tonight? Do you love the sheaves, big or small, teaching or evangelistic? It don't matter. Oh, an evangelist comes through, we love that. But when teaching comes through, we'd rather have a different kind of sheaves. But it's all the word. Paul said, I plant in Apollo's waters. But it's all the word. you got to have the planting and you got to have the watering. You need it all, but you love it because you're in love with Christ. You love it because you're not in love with the minister. You're not in love with one another, but you're in love with Christ. You love it because you know, if you were meant for the Lord of the harvest, you love the harvest. If you were meant like Ruth for Boaz, then you love the grain. You love the wheat. You love it because you love what he loves. Oh, it's, you love to gather. You love to work. You love to labor because why? You've got to have that wedding ring. The wedding ring is the goal. You've got to have that ring above all else. You've got to have that token. Nothing else matters to you but that token. You've got to have that full redemption. Nothing else matters to you but full redemption. Nothing else matters to you but that body change. Nothing else matters to you but the Holy Ghost. Nothing else matters to a real believer because you're in love with Christ. Oh, I, I pray that tonight there's something to stir up within your heart. And maybe when you go home tonight, when you get back on that road, you, you'll think, I, I, I got to get along with God. I got to get along back in that holy place. Why? Because you love God. If, 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 you're, if that love has grown cold, if it's waxed cold in you, oh, tonight is the night to stir it up again. Tonight is the night when you go home, get down beside your bed and say, God, rekindle something in me. I want the fire of God, that, that love that I once had for you. I want it to grow. I want it to be rekindled in me. In me. Oh, you gotta, you gotta work. You gotta labor in that field because what we're climbing to that token, climbing to the proof. What is the token? The proof that you will not go through the tribulation. Why? Because you got that wedding ring on your hand. It's a proof that you ain't going through the tribulation. You got the ring on your finger, and that's what Ruth was laboring for. And the token, brother, I said, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin, and there is no more purifying. And the blood of Jesus Christ in that token as a that has been purified. Amen. That's the token of the bride wearing the ring. <coughs> Why are you laboring? Why are you laboring tonight? Why did you come to church? Why are you a Christian? It's because you love him. Because you love him. How do I get closer to God tonight? How do I get closer? You read the love letter. How do I get closer to God? Throw open every door to your heart. Every door, that's what Brother Ram, all those sermons that he preached, the door to the heart, the door to the heart, the door of the door, doors and door, the door inside the door, all those doors that we keep shut. If we just open them up to him and let him come in, why, how are you going to open it up outside of love? It's because you love Christ, not because somebody told you to, not because you read it with an intellectual idea and said, well, I should do it, but because you love Christ. If you lack love, then the real Christianity cannot be expressed. It's by love, not by head knowledge. Love is more than just a fundamental understanding. Love is when the door is open. And Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, he said, it was Christ that said these words. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. It's Christ that's doing the knocking. It's Christ that's doing the drawing. Christ, you think about this tonight now. Christ, God wants to sup with you. He wants to sit down with you and have a personal relationship with you over what you're reading in this word. 
He wants to fellowship with you. Oh, we've been studying old Melchizedek and all these old, uh, all these things that we can read in the Old Testament. But what was Melchizedek come? He comes serving communion to Abraham. God wants to sit down with you and have communion with you. Communion over, over his, his, his word and over his spirit. He wants to have a relationship with you. So just love God. Just love God tonight. Brother Bram said, just love him with all your heart and forget all you ever know about all other things but Jesus Christ. Just go ahead and love him and work for him, serve him. Now you think about what love does. Love does not care about your feelings or your emotions or how you are treated. Because he said, if he wants you to be the doormat, you just be the doormat. If God wants you to be the doormat and you really love God, you're willing to be the doormat. You're willing to let everybody in church line up and walk all over you if you love God the right way. That's agape love. It's whatever he wants you to do, you do it. (coughs) And I always remember this, friends. The way up is down. He that exalts himself shall be abased, but he that humbled himself shall be exalted. Oh, here's a good one. That first, in 1 Corinthians, Paul said in chapter 8, he said, If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. If you think you know in your mind a lot of things, you don't know the way that you ought to know yet. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. If you love God from your heart, then that's going to be on display. On display and everybody's going to see that you love God. If any man love God, the same is known of him, if you love him. Oh, you think about love. Do, my, do, do you mean, when you talk about love, do you mean, when you're talking about Ruth there, gleaning those sheaves, do you mean that I got to humble myself, that I got to bow down and pick up sheaves, that I got to display character, that I got to display a humble life? Love will do it. <clears throat> In Colossians chapter 3, he said, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. There's love right there. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. You can't forgive if you don't have love. You can't forbear if you don't have love. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, I don't have this in my notes, but if you want to study out what forgiveness is, you cannot have faith without forgiveness because Christ said you forgive and then you'll be forgiven. So you can't come. You can't even come to Christ unless you first forgive. That's in the Lord's prayer. He said, oh, you run down through the Lord's prayer and he says, forgive those who do who do things wrong to you so that you, the, th- the things that you've done wrong against God will be forgiven. And you see what's, what's that doing? It's expressing love because love, love is the greatest force. There is the greatest weapon. And without love, you cannot forgive. You cannot forbear. You cannot have patience with one another. You can't do those things without love. Love is the, that's why it's up there at the top. I'm talking, you're going to have perfect love when you're born. Are you are going to have that perfect love in your soul when you're born again? But love at the top is when it's expressed in completeness and perfectness where you begin to deal with, with one another in a way that's different than you could when you were just born again. Why? Because you're, you're able to put yourself in their, their shoes. You're able to empathize with that other person. You're able to feel for that lost soul in a way that's different than when you were just born again. Love is what wins the day. Love is what will speak squirrels into existence. Love is what will move a mountain. Love is what will change everything. 
So stay put is what Boaz told Ruth. Here she was gleaning behind, picking up these little gleans. And the Lord of the harvest fell in love with her, her being an alien. What a picture. My, I just love that. And then he said, whose damsel is this? And they began to speak and said, it's the Moabite that come in with Naomi. And they went out to her and spoke to her and said, don't you leave this field. God be merciful. Stay put. Don't be tossed about with every wind of doctrine. Stay in the word. You're going to stay there if you love God. Why? Because the Lord of the harvest, Boaz, is worth all the labors. Boaz fell in love with her and Ruth fell in love with him. She began to realize, like we were, he's worth, he's worth everything. Christ is worth everything. He's worth taking up the cross. He's worth all the struggles. He's worth all the gossip and stuff you have to endure. He's worth all the trouble that the devil can raise up and stir up. He's worth enduring everything, every fiery dart of the wicked one that the devil can throw at you. Christ is worth it all. Boaz was worth it all to Ruth. Christ is worth it all to a believer. He's worth enduring all the hardships. Love is what takes you to the finish line. Love is what takes you to the token. He let her glean in the field because he loved her and she was willing to work until the matter was settled because she loved him it was love <coughs> and when you love god it don't matter if they laugh at you like they laughed at david that's right. you see that's what another thing that happens when you start reading between the lines you start reading these stories different yep, right. it don't matter if everybody in the church puts you down right. it don't matter if they say I, I, I you you were the last person i would have picked for that job yeah. it don't matter if they mock you like the woman that washed Jesus' feet. It don't matter if they call you a secret sinner when you've done nothing wrong like Job. Oh, come on now. We can read these stories differently when you've experienced something. When you've lived it, then it becomes something more. When it, it becomes greater. Love is there for the long haul. Oh, you think about so many that have come, come in and went out and come in, but, but you didn't, did you? You stay there. You stay. Why'd you do it? Because you love God. Why are you here tonight? Not because you love you love the building, but because you love God. Love overlooks faults. Oh, love overlooked all the... They, they said he didn't have no beauty that anybody would desire him, but love overlooks all that. Oh, when, when he said those harsh words to Peter and, and, and began to say, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, they looked past all the things they couldn't understand because they loved him. Love doesn't hold grudges. Love doesn't have a ledger book. Oh, if we could just get rid of our ledger books tonight. Oh, tonight I wish if you, we, every one of us could lay our ledger books on the altar and just leave them here at church. If we could have that kind of a love for one another, well, we're not keeping a record of the deeds we do to one another. Leave that ledger book and just burn it on the altar. Burn it with all your sins. Burn it with that, throw it in that sea of forgetfulness. I don't want, I don't want to ever look at that ledger book again. That's what love will do. You can look at somebody different without looking through your ledger book first. That's love. Love looks to the end. Jesus said, oh, let's not forget the forgotten beatitude. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. Blessed is he who is not offended in the bumps along the way. In Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus was telling tell them what to tell to John, he said, the blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. 
The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Oh, you see, if the blind are receiving their sight and the lame are walking, what does it matter if there's a little offense or a little bump on the road? If, if somebody's getting delivered of cancer, I don't care about the little petty things. Why? Because we're here to love Christ. Oh, if you see God come down in the power and glory and manifest his, manifest his deity in the church, it don't matter all the stuff that the devil does. Oh, as long as the preacher don't preach on me, you might say. Oh, as long as I don't know the preacher's past life. Oh, that's another thing. Sometimes we don't want to, we don't want to hear a preacher that's got a past. I, I'm so sick of that. I'm so sick of people. It seems like everywhere I turn, there's somebody saying, well, I, 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 I was with that preacher when he was smoking pot out in the world. I was with that preacher when he wasn't living right. So now I don't want to have nothing to do with him. Listen, God can take somebody's life and change him. If God, if God can change somebody's life, I'd rather be about around a changed life. Oh, we got all this list of stuff that we don't want to put up with. But I, I want to say tonight I'm willing to put up with all, an awful lot if I can see Christ manifesting in my members. I'm willing to put up with an awful lot if I can get to the end of the journey. Oh, as long as I don't have to put up with personalities, you might say. But you're never going to get away from personalities as long as you come to church. I got a personality that I'm expressing when I'm preaching. Every minister here has got a personality that they're expressing when they preach. And when you go in the parking lot, you're going to have personalities. You're never going to get away with, from it. But, but that God has given a power and an ability in the church to put, for us to put up with one another. The love of Christ manifests in our members. If the blind receive their sight and the lame walk, there ain't nothing worth being offended over. It's if God is here, if God is here in reality, and I believe He is. I believe. I believe, and I can feel Him right now. I believe. I know that He's here in this building right now. He's still drawing, and He's still calling, and He's still willing to change lives. And everything is worth it for Him. Oh, Peter took it. You think about all the ones in the Bible that took things, took things that I wonder tonight if we could take, if we could take, if we were living back there. Peter took it when Jesus looked at him in the face and said, get thee behind him, Satan. I wonder if we could take it if somebody was to call us the devil. Could you take that if somebody called you the devil? Peter took it when Jesus told him, what's that to thee? What do you care if John lives until, until I come again? What do you care? Oh, that would seem like a harsh thing for Jesus to say. What is that to thee? But Peter took it. Why? Because he knew he was in love with Christ. He, he was looking past the flesh down into that there was deity back there behind that flesh. Deity was tabernacled in that man. And he wanted what he had. Oh, the Greek woman had to endure something when Jesus came and told her she was a dog. Then the Greek woman had to endure it. I wonder tonight if we're willing to endure, if somebody were, 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 were to say something harsh like that to us. Oh, let me say something to you tonight, church. Nobody got anywhere in anything, natural or spiritual, without persevering. Oh, the, our problem is... <laughs> Our problem sometimes is we don't see the value of what we're doing here. 
we don't see the value that we're, that we're sitting in this church because it, it goes beyond just the pews and the, the, the wooden pulpit that we're looking at here. But we're, we're here after eternal life. Eternal life is what we're after. I, I want to make a challenge to you tonight. Do you love God? Do you love God to a point where it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter what somebody says. It doesn't matter if they don't shake my hand. If it doesn't matter if they don't go out to eat with me. It doesn't matter because I want Christ. I'm willing to lay down everything on the altar. I'm willing to come up to the altar and be made a laughing stock. Like all, so many examples in the Bible. Because God loves me. And I love him. If God loves you, he's going to try you. He's going to chasten you. He's going to scourge you. He's going to give you a little challenge to see, see how much you love him. Oh, oh, how many examples do we have of people that, 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 oh, they come around for a little while and as soon as some little, some little something said wrong, a preacher just don't say it quite right, quite, quite the way that they feel like it should be said. And they're out the door they go. Could we, could we tie that back to they're really not interested in what the seven seals are. They're really not interested in the revelation of Jesus Christ. What they really are interested in is a club. They're really interested in a place where, where they can come to get some hot coffee in the basement. But what they're really interested in is not Christ. I'm talking about falling in love with Christ tonight. And sure, we're supposed to display the love of Christ because the love is what draws you. But if you're really in love with Christ tonight, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Cain takes a stone in his hand. It doesn't matter if Shimei begins to curse you like he did David. It doesn't matter if they begin to throw stones and smite you in the face like they did Jesus. And so many others in the Bible, it doesn't matter because you're in love with Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, every one of us are partakers. Oh, see, sometimes we think, well, that minister up there behind the pulpit hadn't endured it like I have. But you don't know the life I live. You don't know the life these other brothers live. You don't know where we've come from. We've all, we all have to endure chastisement. All are partakers, and if you can't endure it, then are ye bastards and not sons. Because a bastard don't know where he come from, and he doesn't love his father because he don't. He, where's Who's his father? A bastard doesn't know his father. Herein is now set forth the love of God. Brother Brown said in the Laodicean church, he desired in love a family of his own, a family of sons, sons like himself. There before him lies all mankind as one lump of clay. Out of that same lump, he will now make vessels unto honor and unto dishonor. The choosing will be his own choosing. Then those chosen ones born of his spirit will be trained to conform to his image in their walk. He reproves with all long suffering and gentleness and mercy. He chastens with nail scarred hands. Sometimes this potter must take the vessel he is working on and thoroughly break it down in order that he may rebuild it exactly as he desires it. But it is love. That is his love. Another way of his love there is not. There cannot be. Are you able to endure the chastening night? You know, if you can look past the chastening sometimes and realize that it's coming from love, 
if you can look past the hard preaching sometimes and realize it's coming from love, the reason sometimes we fail to see the love is because we don't know what love is. Love sometimes has to chasten. Love sometimes has to speak harshly. Love will speak harshly to get that kid out of the road or get him to the altar. Sometimes love has to strike hard. But remember the end. Remember the end that Ruth was looking to. She wanted that wedding ring. Christ is all that matters. That's why in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Well, I don't like that brother that much, but what's the end of their conversation? The end of their conversation is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is still the same. That's the end. The end of their conversation is Christ. And that's what we're trying to get you tonight to tonight. In 1 Corinthians, Paul said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Run it to win the race. I was watching my brother the other, the other day. He was in an ultra marathon. Oh, I think a marathon is 26 miles, and he ran 48 miles up to the top of Mount Mitchell in North Carolina and all up to several mountains. I don't know how he did it. But you can see on the uh, on the on the on the roster there. You can watch it online of who was dropping out, and where everybody was, and where they were lagging behind, and 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 you watch them come through the finish line. And I see you don't get a prize if you don't end the race. You don't get a prize if you glean a little while in the field and then you give up. You don't get the prize. You, you, it's crossing the finish line when you get the prize. See, we're not, we're not in a race to see how, 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 how much we can boast about our feelings being hurt, but we're here to, to get to cross that finish line. Oh, you see, <laughs> now I, I, I kind of laugh, you know, how many of us could run 48 miles, but my, my brother was, was dead last. <laughs> he was the last one. And it took him from 3 a.m. in the morning until I think about uh, 10 o'clock at night to finish that race. But he finished. He finished. Now, now I'm not saying I, I'm bragging on him a little bit, but that's not my point. I'm not saying this to brag on my brother. I'm saying it to make a point. You might feel like you're dead last in the race, but just cross the line. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because we, we want you to be so in love. That's, that's my goal to get you to fall so much in love. Not with me. Not with the church, but with Christ. To fall so much in love with Christ that you're willing to endure whatever. If you love the gleanings, the Lord of the harvest loves you. And if you love the Lord of the harvest, you're going to love the gleanings. <laughs> so Boaz said, don't, don't go out to any other field, but stay with that word. Stay with Christ. He's wooing you. Even in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, let us labor there to enter into that rest. Let us labor. Stay in that field. That, to get to that Holy Ghost rest. And Ruth chapter 3, as we keep reading on, and we're, we're, we're closing in on the finish line here tonight. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I'm Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end 
than at the beginning. Inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. There was a lot of distractions maybe, a lot of things that had caught her eye, but she stayed right with Christ, right with Boaz. Now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then I will do the part of a kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth. And he said, lie down until the morning. Lie down. Why? Because now she'd been laboring all this time, but she laid down at his feet and he put his skirt over her just like Christ covered you over, took care of all your problems with the Holy Ghost. He covered you with the Holy Ghost. And when Christ covers you with the Holy Ghost, it's time for you to stop doing your work and for him to go to work. Now Christ, when Christ, when Boaz got up and he, he started, after all that time of Ruth labor, now Boaz went to work. I believe Boaz, now the bride is resting and Christ is at work. Christ is at work. When Boaz was at work, Ruth didn't have to be. And when Jesus is at work, you don't have to be. You don't have to be manufacturing. You don't have to be putting on. Jesus said, have faith in God because he's the one that's doing it. He's the one that's working. He's the one that's interpreting. He's the one that's proving tonight. He's the one that's, that's doing it. He's the one that's working out his will. He's the one that's interpreting his word. Boaz was a type of Christ, and Christ is here working in the church because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare him a son. <laughs> all this story is about love Amen. the love of God the love of the God of Israel led Ruth to make her decision love led her to lay it at his feet love for Ruth led Boaz to redeem her so let's lay aside whether people love me or let's lay aside whether the preacher loves me let's lay aside whether the church loves me because <clears throat> all that matters is whether God loves me. Brother Ram and the gods provided a way. He said right while they were making the most fun. And teasing her, talking about that, that, that girl that married the Armour meat packing, the son of the Armour meat packing plant and making fun of her and everything. They heard the wheels of coming, horse hooves of beating, the old grinding of the sand under the buckboard. My, my, she broke through those lines out into the yard. She went. Who was it? There he was dressed. The carriage was ready. She run through the little trellis at the end of the yard like that. He jumped out of the carriage and grabbed her into his arms. And he said, sweetheart, all year long, I've had people watching you. Oh, I'm so glad the Holy Ghost, the eyes on the sparrow. And I know he watches me all year long. I've been watching you. I've seen your virtues. I've seen the flirts of other men. I've seen all of this, but I've seen you were true. Oh, it swelled my heart to know that the woman I was going to marry was true. But what about me? What about you tonight? Do you love God like that enough to be true to him and stay with him and stay in the field? Do I love him tonight? Do I love him enough to take up my cross enough to keep coming to church? Enough to finish this race. Enough to continue on. Love is what does it. Love conquers all. Love is unbeatable. You can't beat love tonight. 
you cannot beat love as the musicians come forward. Love suffers long, is kind, and envieth not, and vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doesn't behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, rejoiceth in the truth. Love is a thing that will conquer everything. You love the Lord tonight. Let's stand to our feet. You know, the Bible says that there'll come a day when the love of many will wax cold. If we could ask that question tonight, is your, has, your, has, your, has your heart grown cold? If it's grown cold, then now is the time for sincerity. Now is the time to surrender ourselves to him in total honesty and purity of motive. Let's just open up every door of our heart tonight as we just worship him. Y'all, y'all know that song, Draw Me? I wonder if we could sing that. Draw me, draw me, Lord, and I'll come running back to you. Draw me, draw me, Lord, and I'll come running after you. Let's just, let's just wait on him this, tonight and just, let's just sing that. Draw me. Give me a draw.
He wants all of you today. Hold you, give it to him. Open up the door of your heart. Draw me. Yield yourself to him. Hold your answer back to him and say, I'm yours tonight, Lord Jesus. Take me, Lord. Take me, Lord, and do with me whatever you will. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours like Ruth. I'm yours like the Shulamite woman. I'm yours like Rebecca. I'm yours, Lord. Draw me. Draw me, Lord. Oh, just make love to him tonight. I'll come running after you. Oh, will you raise your hands and say, I love you, Lord? Draw me. Say, oh, God, Draw will you me, pull Lord. your skirt over me? Will you cover me with I'll your love? Cover me over, oh, God. Lord, I want to be filled. Lord, I'm tired of running. Draw me. Oh, God, I'm ready to rest. Draw I need me, Lord. you, Lord. I'll come running after you. Oh, can't you feel that he's knocking at the door of your heart tonight? Draw can't you hear him calling? That ain't the preacher, that's Christ. Draw me, Lord. Christ is drawing you tonight. I'll come running Christ is after here. you. How could you not love you a God that wants to be your Lord, that wants to be your Savior? Won't you come tonight? Draw me, draw me, Lord. I'll come running after you. Draw me, draw me, Lord. I'll come running after you. Draw me, draw me, Lord, and I'll come running after you. Oh, Lord God, we're so grateful to you tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you that you're still the same God that, that Ruth was searching for. You're still the same God that Boaz represented. You're still, you're still ready to go work, Lord, like Boaz was when he rose up and told Ruth just to rest. You're still ready to go to work for every redemptive blessing, every promise that in His word, that's in your word. Lord God, we're so grateful for your love tonight, Lord God. So grateful for a God that will love us, Lord Jesus. Lord, so grateful to be able to express our love back to you tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you'll bless the saints, Lord, as they go their different ways, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to draw, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that there's one tonight, Lord Jesus, listening in on the Internet, or one, Lord, that's still struggling, Lord God, that you'll prick their heart on the way home. Prick their heart where they sit tonight watching in. Prick their heart, Lord Jesus, to realize, Lord Jesus, that you love them and it's time to stop running. 
It's time to stop trying to get away from you and try time to give in. Give in to the one, Lord, that loves the unlovable. Give in to the one that is the very expression of what love is. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, Lord Jesus. Lord God, bless your people tonight. Bless, Lord Jesus. Bless our praise, Lord, as we worship you. Lord, be with your people, we ask in your name. Amen. You're dismissed. Draw me, draw me, Lord. I'll come running after you. Draw me, draw me, Lord.